Sup Freaks, it's your boy Marty Ben here to introduce this episode of Tales from the Crypt. The pleasure of sitting back down with David Bailey, founder of BTC Media, the company throwing the Bitcoin 2021 conference this June 4th and 5th. Going to be a dope one. I mean, we we're supposed to uh, like announce the, the venue on this one. Obviously, they announced it yesterday. I'm a day late. Well, actually, they're a couple days late. I wanted to post this last Friday, asked me to hold up, and then yesterday I got caught up traveling, gam stuff, whatever. You guys know it's at the at the Mono Winwood. We talk about a m- much more than just where the conference is going to be. Again, uh, last time David was on, made you freaks pretty bullish. I think this is uh, this is another episode in which you guys are going to leave feeling quite a bit bullish. Getting a lot of flack for the ad reads and how repetitive they are. So I'm going to try and set it up. Like, if you want to stack sats, do you know about the Cash App? The motherfucking Cash App? Probably stack sats, send sats, receive sats. I can't do it. It's like too, in my head too much. Send sats, receive sats. You can sell sats if you so please. You can send sats to Cash App users using cash tags. They've added that functionality. DCA in the sats. Set it and forget it by daily, weekly, bi-weekly. Uh, you can get sats back on some boosts when they're available. You go use your boost card wherever Visa's accepted. You hit your Bitcoin back boost. You get sats sent back to you. That way, uh, what else? They got it can be your bank account, offering account numbers and routing numbers. So you can get your paychecks direct deposited so you can stack sats quicker. If you haven't done this already, make sure you go download the Cash App. Use the code STACKINGSATS, that's S-T-A-C-K-I-N-G-S-A-T-S. You're going to get $10, and $10 is going to go to our good friends at Owls Lacrosse. That's Owls Lacrosse. Woo! 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 Owls Lacrosse. This rep is also brought to you by our good friends at Hoddle Hoddle. Hoddle Hoddle now has their lend.hoddlehoddle.com platform, which allows you to use your Bitcoin as collateral to get some stablecoin liquidity. You don't want to sell your Bitcoin, but you need some liquidity. You can go to the lend.hodlhodl.com platform and get that liquidity you need. Tax efficient as well. You're not going to have a tax burden uh, when you get this liquidity. As long as you're paying it back, uh, you're going to be good. And the best thing about this, there's no KYC, no AML. Uh, it's multi-sig escrow. So you're making sure that your coins aren't being rehypothecated. It's completely anonymous. You're meeting on their marketplace. You don't know who you're interacting with. It's all good. It's all good. Also, if you have stable coins, you want to get a little return on those stable coins, you go to the other side of that marketplace, put them up to be lend out and to Bitcoiners looking to not sell their Bitcoin, but looking for liquidity, and you get a little return on that. So go to lend.hodlhodl.com. Lend.hodlhodl.com. No KYC, no AML, open to U.S. citizens the way it should be done, leveraging Bitcoin's native multi-sig properties. This rip is also brought to you by our good friends at Brains OS. All right, Brains OS is the company behind Slush Pool. They're now full-time owners of Slush Pool. Uh, they've got their Brains uh, OS Plus firmware, which allows miners to to stack more Sats. Uh, it makes their they get into the firmware, the machines, and make it so. Uh, Miners can stack more sats. It's as simple as that. We've had Jan and Pavel, co-founders of Brains, on TFTC in early 2019 on episode 73. Talked about the history of Slush Pool, why they're building Brains OS, Stratum V2, before it was Stratum V2. We've had Edward Evenson. Evenson is chilling down in Mexico eating cheese right now. 
He was on episode number 199, talked about their new custom firmware, Stratum V2, race to the bottom for mining pools. Uh, they're working on hash rate futures. They're doing it all. They've always been Bitcoin focused as well. They never mind Bitcoin Cash, BSV. Uh, they discovered Amplied and patched that up in 2018. Um, Brain's team verified the S9s could run about 13 more, 13% more efficiently with ASIC boosts. It wasn't public yet, and they made it public. They made the firmware public via Brain's OS, their software. So if you're a miner, uh, if if you are interested to see how profitable you can be with mining, they have a mining calculator as well. Uh, if you're not, if they have your their Brain's OS software available for your mining model, use it. It's going to make you more profitable. Uh, Slush Pool, obviously, it's the oldest pool in the game, been around for a while, and they stay true to Bitcoin. I just want to thank Brain's for supporting the show and supporting Bitcoin throughout throughout many many years. Um, when when what's minor? <laughs> uh, last but not least, we got our good friends at CompassMining.io. They are helping uh, individuals get into the mining game to help distribute the production of hash rate to more individuals. Basically, the way it works, they've, they've made it a simple process for you to buy a miner and get it plugged into a hosting facility with competitive energy costs, energy rates. So you go to CompassMining.io, pick out your miner, pick out your hosting facility, uh, you they buy it for you, they plug it in, and they start streaming sats to your wallet. Um, you're going to DCA into Bitcoin via mining. If you want to do it that way, compassmining.io. Uh, you can go to the to the slush pool uh, profitability calculator, too, and plugging the energy rates, the price of the miner, all that stuff, and see how profitable you're going to be when you're going to get your payback. You can combine those two two functionalities. So if you if you want to get into mining, they've, they've made it very easy to go from zero to hashing, to receiving sats they've, they've taken out the complexity of trying to find cheap electricity for the individual um, and they've got great customer support compassmining.io c-o-m-p-a-s-s-m-i-n-i-n-g dot i-o let me make sure it's dot i-o because now i don't have the ad read in front of me I just need to double check. Yes, it is .io. All right. Enjoy this rip with David Bailey, freaks. Love all y'all. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. Probably should be. Probably should be. David Bailey, everybody. It's been a couple of years, sir. How have you been? Good. It's been, it's been a long couple of years, but uh, thank you for having me on the podcast today. And thank you for coming on it it's a shame we're not uh, in a hotel room drinking angels envy but i'll take what i can get but that was 2018 2019 i think maybe two years 2019 ago. it all Ooh, goes by there's been a whole pandemic <laughs> been riots in the streets there's been a, a mini moon um yeah it's been a long two years there's been uh there's been some moving of conferences and a lot of hype around conferences. It's uh, it has been a long two years, but I think we're in a good spot right now. I mean, 
I think your episode is still to this day, two years later, at least get like a notification at least every couple weeks, once a month, maybe at this point of, of people referencing it as one of like the most bullish episodes in TFTC history. I think the last 10 minutes ended on a, on a very bullish note and compared to where we were at that time in 2019, I think it, it your, <laughs> your trajectory of Bitcoin or your prediction of where Bitcoin was going was, was somewhat correct. Yeah. I, the, you know, I've been off uh, Twitter for three months now, but I'm like every day I really want to get back on because pinned to the top of my Twitter for like the past three years has been like my price predictions of where things were going to go. And we're like tracking spot on right now. So it's like, I, you know, my need for, you know, other people to know I, I called it is like, you know, driving me back. <laughs> I think, uh, I think you're gonna have plenty of time to gloat in Miami in in early June. That's right. That's yeah. right. It's just crazy. Like everything that's, that's aligning right now, like 2019, like it was consensus 2019. So it was like, what, May, April, it was like very near the like coming up from the, from the lows of February, 2019. And it's just crazy to see how much has happened between now and then. Like, what are you looking at now, particularly that's like sticking out to you? Like that, that maybe exceeds your expectations or is right in line with what you thought. So, you know, the biggest thing that I keep hammering home about, you know, with our team is like once we go above $250,000 Bitcoin prices or like we get into six figure Bitcoin prices, um, we're, we're in a whole nother world in terms of explaining what's happening to the everyday, to the mainstream, let's say. So like, you know, you can make a very logic based case for $400,000 Bitcoin prices. Hey, if we eat 10% of this market, or if we get to the market cap of gold, or if we get to like this or that or this, this is what the you know expected value of Bitcoin will be. But once we get to that price and we're still going up, how do you explain that? How do you make, you know, how do you how do you rationalize when we get to the point where Bitcoin's adding a trillion dollars to its market cap in a day? And, you know, that now we have to get, we have to move the conversation beyond just like, hey, Bitcoin is a better form of gold to the conversation of hyper-Bitcoinization. And, and like in the abstract, where do we go from here? And I don't think there's really anyone making the case that I've seen, at least making it well, about, you know, Bitcoin 2.5 million, Bitcoin 25 million, Bitcoin 250 million. Like, I mean, this, the, the, to get into that, like, how, you know, how do you explain to someone why Bitcoin is going to have a bigger market cap than commercial real estate plus bonds plus equities all added together? You know, like that, that doesn't make sense in the existing paradigm. And I think that that conversation and that conversation being like real and not just like, wow, you know, you've smoked a lot of pot like that, that is this year at the end of this year when people are trying to articulate what what's the next bubble look like you have to go to those heady places that's the only way to make it make sense so i think the the conversation you know is gonna it's gonna change a lot when hyper bitcoinization is like the topic or any people are way on and like the first time janet yellen has to comment on like the concept of hyper bitcoinization i think that that's going to be a interesting interesting discussion <laughs> maybe maybe like at that yeah. point she'll be sitting down with bitcoin sign guy and they'll be having like a one-on-one -on -one conversation a retrospective of, of the buy, buy bitcoin sign janet right. how did it feel to be wrong some, some, 
her uh, job internship or something she's applying for that, you know, uh, he's going to, the Bitcoin sign guy will be the manager of. <laughs> right. She can, she can go work for Herbit. which would be hilarious. <laughs> Actually, in our last podcast, we were joking about one day, you know, we can't wait to go through the uh, yard sale of uh, uh, Paul Krugman uh, and, and buy his, um, his uh, economics prize, Nobel Prize off of him for, you know, sats. Here's five sats, Paul. Enjoy yeah. them. Don't spend them all in one place. <laughs> yeah. no, it's great. Like, when you get to that, and that's something like $250 million Bitcoin would be insane. Uh, but when you think about it, particularly like outside of gold in the context of that, like I think you start with commercial real estate, real estate, like and you point to Manhattan and you go like, why are these rich Saudis? Why would they ever just buy a penthouse? in New York that they're never going to go to. Why would rich Russian oligarchs, Chinese oligarchs buy this real estate that comes with significant political and geographical risk when they could simply just buy sats and hold their own private keys? Totally. Yeah. Totally. I mean, like as, as, the, as the group of people uh, that are, um, you know, all in on Bitcoin grows, the amount of, of, uh, intra-network uh, transactions that will occur where, you know, uh, I sell an asset that I own for Bitcoin directly. I get paid in Bitcoin and hold the Bitcoin. Um, that type of activity will grow. And, um, you know, that's, that's, that's a whole nother uh, way of parking value within the system beyond just like fiat in, uh, uh, ramps and, you know, um, or ramps out. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I think that that world is getting here closer, you know, is closer than people think. I think it's like after the peak of this bubble, that's when this whole, this, this whole wide range of crazy ideas become like the only relevant conversation, you know I mean? So I don't know. I, I'm, I'm uh, incredibly bullish on what the rest of the year looks like. Uh, I'm also really interested in, in seeing what people's crypto winter plays look like, because I feel like crypto winter is as entrenched into the narrative as crypto spring is. And so there's going to be a lot of people front running crypto winter this year, which I think is the, is the right approach. Um, but how you front run it, I'm curious to hear people's strategies. And I'm at the conference, I'm, I think there's going to be some new funds launching that are going to be like uh, trying to target the crypto winter narrative and, and, you know, if there's enough people that try to front run that, does that in some way limit how bad crypto winter actually gets? I don't know. Yeah, it's something I think about a lot. Like, at what point is there a cultural tipping point where people know, like, all right, I don't want to cash back out the cuck bucks. I'd rather just keep stacking sats or, and like maybe not even keep stacking, just holding what I have and, and viewing it as a stake and very scarce high um i go back and forth a lot of people are like ah, oh, it's just natural it's fractal like it'll overheat like it has in the past and animal spirits will take over and weekends will will crash the price significantly like it has in the past the the cultural acceptance won't be there quite yet maybe next cycle but i don't know i don't know this stuff happens fast so you think about how fast like hyperinflationary events happen like why republic venezuela why couldn't it be similar with hyper Bitcoinization or at least the understanding of, of holding Bitcoin um, uh, for the long term? I think that's another thing too that makes me extremely bullish and can push the price to levels that people aren't even comprehending right now is they, there's this 
huge theme, particularly in America, that the government's going to ban Bitcoin or like uh, it's going to lead to like America's decline. But Chris Ben Dixon just tweeted something out earlier this morning that I really believe with. He said, I don't describe to the thesis of the inevitable Bitcoin or excuse me, American decline. My suspicion is that the US will shock the fuck out of people and go all in on Bitcoin and emerge stronger than most people can even imagine. Like underestimate the US at your own peril. Fundamentals matter. And I completely subscribe to this thesis. Like I think just what we're seeing at Great American Mining on the ground at the state level, like people like state governments are turning to Bitcoin as a solution. I think I don't think people have a case in which America welcomes Bitcoin with open arms in their mind at all. Well, you know, people have such a paternalistic view of government, like uh, the America can't do well if the American government doesn't do well. And it's like, you know, if you think back to feudal times, you know, there are city states. I don't think anyone can even tell you, I mean, I'm sure there are people that can tell you, but I mean, do you, can you name the people who led city states in Northern Italy or in, you know, Bavaria, Germany, like no one fucking cares anymore. And so, you know, I feel like uh, there's just this irrelevance that comes when the population as a whole uh, is able to accumulate wealth on their own and, and um, you know, have a, have more sovereign control over themselves. And so, uh, I, I, I think America is like, I, I really believe that we are on the edge of a, of a golden era that's going to be driven by, um, digitization, you know, robotics and digital value. Um, and you know, I, uh, I think that that can happen and also the American government can, you know, be a shadow of itself as well. So, uh, you know, they're not necessarily mutually exclusive, exclusive things. No, I don't think so at all. And I think there's really a drive to fix things. This whole, like, what if the government bans Bitcoin? I love how what's just implicit in that comment is that we live in a totalitarian state where anything that challenges the power of the state is inherently going to be made illegal because that's not acceptable. And like, we just openly, like the number one response I get from people right now is like, the government will never allow that. And it's like, since when has it been acceptable that we're going to live in a place where the government's not going to allow you to do something that you want to do that is not hurting anyone because it jeopardizes their ability to have monopolistic control over you. Like, what is that? Right. And then there's, there's another like inherent admission in that statement too, is that Bitcoin is so powerful that it threatens like this, like it actually works. It is valuable to the point where a totalitarian, totalitarian government would, would need to stop it. You know, any great company ever, any great investment opportunity that's been world changing, you could justify not investing into any of them under the, the, the pretense of, oh, wow, that's such a big idea that if it worked, the government would never allow it. I mean, whether it's cars or planes or the Internet itself, like, I mean, it's just what a dumb reason not to do your homework on something like, it's, oh, it's not even worth looking into that because it's definitely going to be banned. It's like, OK, well. You know, if your position is that you can't invest in Bitcoin because it's going to be banned and you think it's that powerful, you're implying it's that powerful, then why do you think it's going to be banned? How much homework have you even done or research have you done to know that it's going to be banned or that it can be banned? Oh, you haven't done any? Like, then why are we even having a conversation right now? You know, like, I don't, no, that's like, like, that's what you, that's my first 
line that I go to, I'm like, all right, walk me through the process. Like, how are they going to bend? How are they going to stop us from, from leveraging the peer-to-peer network? They're like, well, well exchanges are going to shut down the exchanges and then like you're screwed. It's like, eh, I don't think you understand how much, how much Bitcoin is in, in uh, personal possession of individuals. Like it's pretty high if you actually look at the numbers. Yeah. I mean, it's like also good luck, uh, shutting down the exchanges globally. I mean, like regulatory arbitrage is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is, and it's real and it's happening. And again, like we're seeing it here in the United States in a state by state and city level. So like talk about like Miami, why you guys chose Miami. Like, was it the fact that Florida was open or did Francis Suarez, the mayor of Miami is posturing towards, Bitcoin is something he wants Miami to be uh, forward thinking about and sort of attract you guys to relocate from LA to, to South Beach or not South Beach, but Miami. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, you know, part of the frustration with, um, with dealing with the state of California is that everything was constantly up in the air. No one wanted to commit to anything. It was all politics. I mean, it was just all politics all the time. And, uh, you know, Florida, it's like, okay, first off, uh, uh, they're already taking the heat coming out there, kind of making themselves be the open for business and the freedom capital of the United States right now. Um, and, you know, the situation's only going to get less intense than it was in January. So it was like, okay, let's go to a place that's going to clear all the hurdles for us and is going to like take on that sort of on head um, rather than deal with a place where you know no one wants to be accountable for any any of the decisions or you know no one wants to be accountable and we still have some issues in, in Florida too with this it's not like it's uh Florida's immune to it like we're, we're trying to get a capacity number for the event no one wants to be the person who told us what the capacity was so it's kind of like this pass the buck like there there isn't technically a capacity number but there could be you know, but so anyway, you know, it's politics is politics, but Mayor Suarez has been incredible. And, and, um, you know, I, I, it definitely has kind of shaded my, my view of politics and Bitcoin in the sense that there's such a big opportunity with Bitcoin. You know, the one thing you can really count on politicians for is for them to follow the money. And, uh, you know, uh, he who controls the money controls the world and, you know, Bitcoiners control the money now. And so, you know, we control the world and uh, the first politicians that wake up to that fact and cater to us are going to be uh, immensely rewarded. Um, So, you know, I I wrote that, right? You're seeing, I mean, you're seeing it like a lot of ton of town is moving to to Miami is they're being courted by uh, Mayor Suarez and and Ron DeSantis at the the gubernatorial level, gubernatorial level. Um, You're seeing... Kentucky passed a law last week that sort of courting Bitcoin miners specifically say, hey, we'll, we'll slash your sales tax on electricity cost up to a certain point if you come mine here. Wyoming, obviously, they have all the legislation they push through. Like, especially if you're like an early mover around Bitcoin, whether it be via mining or getting companies to come build in your jurisdiction and, and start pumping Bitcoin into to the circular economy in your local region. Like you can, you can start to break away, like especially the mining stuff, right? Like imagine like a state just puts uh, some some skin in the game and puts up some funds for mining infrastructure, and they just feed a portion of the the Bitcoin mining revenue into like a state permanent fund that funds education, healthcare, uh, like infrastructure, all that stuff. 
at some point, if Bitcoin keeps doing what it does, getting to the levels that we've been talking about, you can just say like, fuck you to the federal government, like take advantage of the 10th amendment. And you don't even need like the federal funding carrot that they hang in front of these states. Like you can break away. 100%. Yeah. No. And I mean, all we really need is like five senators that will are like the, the Bitcoin coalition. And like if they're Democrat senators and they can basically block any bill that doesn't like have something favorable for Bitcoin. And I mean, we, I mean, we, how many people in the United States do you think hold Bitcoin right now? Gander. I mean, just like recent weeks, getting a bunch of texts from my brother's friends, all being like, I love Bitcoin. Then they asked me about NFTs. I'm like, I'm not the NFT expert. I would just recommend holding Bitcoin. But just like from that, I would say like 30 million, like close to 10% getting there. So, I mean, when you talk about, uh, you know, the, the, the old saying, like with the government, it's like bread and circuses and like the, you know, when the government is, is financially supporting the people, that's how they can kind of control the people's vote. Well, okay, now Bitcoin is directly financially supporting the people. And like, you know, if you fuck with Bitcoin, you're now fucking with 30 million people who own Bitcoin. And uh, that's a powerful coalition that's only growing in size and only growing in their passion around this specific topic. So if at the end of this bull run, we're at 100 million people in the United States have exposure to Bitcoin and you have, you know, five, 10 million people who have the vast majority of their net worth in Bitcoin, like that's political issue number one now is like, what are you doing to help protect my investment into Bitcoin? You know, like that's, that's all you care about. So um, uh, I think we're closer than we realize to, to really being a political force within the country. And I mean, money is a political thing. So it, that, it makes sense that that's where we're, we're, we're going towards. But I mean, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Senator Lummis, who you just announced literally minutes before we hopped on this call, will be speaking at, at Bitcoin 2021. She's on the the bank bank and finance committee which is arguably the strongest committee that, that we have at the at the senate level like we have bitcoiners in very powerful places you know we have another senator that uh we're in the process of confirming right now and we have a former presidential candidate uh uh from the other side of the table uh who confirming right now uh did I break up there? You did. I, a former uh, presidential um, candidate so, on the other side of the aisle. Yeah. Uh, so the, I mean, it's it's crazy, kind of how how much of a cultural zeitgeist Bitcoin is right now. You know, beyond the Bitcoin scene, it's it's uh, a topic being discussed. You know, if there's 30 million people in the world in the United States that hold Bitcoin. There's already 100 million people that are talking about Bitcoin that just haven't squeezed the trigger. Yeah. And like, that's the other thing. Like I I tweeted this out over the weekend, somewhat contrarian to be an optimist. Now nothing provides like a vision for an optimistic future better than Bitcoin where it helps, helps people visualize and materialize an optimistic, better future than Bitcoin. And it makes me extremely bullish. And that's what I think, again, that shift in America opening its arms to Bitcoin is something people aren't expecting because everybody's extremely pessimistic right now with all the money printing uh, like the, the the amount of debt that's been accrued, the the interest rates, the 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 situation in the bond market right now, which is all very uh very disconcerting. However, like 
we have a way out and it's a very optimistic, like we can build like right now we are building today. Dude, so Michael Saylor, uh, uh, you know, uh, prophetic in so many, in so many ways, but hope.com. I mean, right. it's truly like it, uh, there would be, it, it would truly be a hopeless situation right now without Bitcoin. Like it, you know, it's, um, you know, I'm, I'm increasingly convinced that Bitcoin is a religion because it's like, you know, it, it like my, my hope comes from Bitcoin, you know, in the same way, I guess some people would say like, you know, their, their hope comes from their religion. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, uh, and the more, the more wild and the more, uh, broken our legacy system becomes just the faster and faster people come, um, come to the light, uh, in terms of, of Bitcoin adoption and understanding it. Um, yeah, man, hope, hope.com, hope.com. All right. Well, once you have enough people hopeful and optimistic about the future and, and Bitcoin sort of cemented culturally as something that's here to stay, which I think we'll look back and we'll pinpoint some point in the last six months where it was like, all right, there was no turning back after this point. Well, um, I think it's a no turning back point. I mean, I, yeah. we're already there. I mean, we're just in the process of everyone realizing we're there. Um, but you know, the, uh, I've been following this trend on, uh, the decline in birth rates. I don't, I don't know if you've kind of seen any news about this recently, but the just birth rates have plummeted, um, mm-hmm. for a variety of different reasons. But I mean, in the past, uh, nine months, uh, like in the state of California, it's down like 25% or 26%, uh, in births, which is just like breaks all, all models. And like one thing that people will, will notice when they work in the Bitcoin scene long enough. Um, when there are Bitcoin moons, the number of, of people that are having kids and the number of, you know, new births happening at an office, they just explode. Like people, when they feel hopeful about the future and when they have, you know, uh, financial assets to make them feel secure, they want to have families and children and, you know, like, like maximize their life, so to speak. And, uh, I think it's directly tied to having hope. And so you have this like hopeless society that no one wants to have children in and then everybody's depressed in and everyone's medicated in. And then you have this like hope filled society where everyone wants children and everyone is like, you know, trying to live their best life. And so, um, if you had to pick between which of those worlds to live in, like, why would you pick the hopeless one? You know? Right. Now this is actually hilarious that you brought this up well not hilarious it, I, the, the fact that everybody was like oh there's going to be covid babies and it was like actually the, the opposite is happening which is extremely terrifying um but bitcoin 2019 san francisco i don't know if i've ever told you this or, or anybody at bitcoin btc media but uh right before i went on stage uh, to, to moderate one of the talks, my wife came up to me and told me she was pregnant. Like she had just taken a test. It was like literally right before I went on stage to moderate like a, a multi-sig conversation. And she was like, yeah, we're having a baby. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> like, but yeah, it was like around there, like leading up to the conference a few weeks before price was pumping. I was pumping as well. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, uh, you know, my first, my first little girl, uh, was the last level. And then I have another little girl that's going to be coming in the month of July. Hell yeah. Uh, Congrats. I paid one child a bubble, but I might have to pick that, that speed up a little bit. I think so as well. I actually, I'm a a big believer. I'm a big believer in this, what a philosophy I'm developing called team life. 
And uh, the, the premise of it is you turn as much uh, inorganic matter as possible into uh, living organic matter. And so, uh, you know, like we need to like mine every rock in order to like convert it into like uh, uh, resources that can be used to further and expand life throughout the solar system, which, you know, like I'm sure there's a lot of environmentalists that hear that and they're like, ah, how dare you? But like, I want there to be like 10 trillion people like living their best lives out there. And I so well. I'm, I'm trying to talk my wife into having like 20 children. I, <laughs> you know, sold on just like the second child, you know, seeing that through, but like, I want to have a ton of kids one day. I do as well. We're, um, I think we're going to start trying for number two as well. So happy to hear you have your second daughter on the way. Hopefully, um, we can, we can, uh, have, have a new life join her, uh, at some point in the next year. Let's go, man. One more holdler. One more right. holdler. It's crazy. Like my son, he just turned one. It's been a crazy, it's crazy how quickly it changes you and how it changes your perspective on life and, and your drive, um, around everything. Totally. And how much you realize what a piece of shit you are and how, <laughs> how lucky you got that somehow you scammed your way into a kid that's way way better than you so right you know, my little girl like she's uh uh cute charming funny like all the things that i'm not it's like wow this is uh my ultimate scam my ultimate scam getting my wife to marry me and my uh my son's hitting the toddler phase he's got his personality he's playing jokes in us now it's, it's a beautiful thing to see it's uh yeah, making again. It's like it makes me want to bring the Bitcoin dream to fruition even, even harder, and like makes me want to record more podcasts like this and get the message out. Like you should be having, fa- you should be having kids, building strong families, lowering your time preference. We're gonna save the world. You know, there's a another dynamic I've seen on this front, and uh, like especially with the conference, for example. Uh, we have this event called whale whale day and uh, we have like these whale passes that are uh, that are expensive and um, we've worked with some kind of investor groups where these guys are like buying a bunch of tickets in bulk from us and they get to bring a plus one with them with that because um, they're buying two passes and you know we thought that it was mostly going to be people bringing their wives or whatever and I'd say that 50% plus of the plus ones are people bringing their sons And so there's like this weird dynamic where it's like, you know, legit serious investors who like are coming part partially because they're, they're excited about the space, but also because their kid is super excited about the space. And this is like, they're the cool, you know, dad or mom who's invested in Bitcoin, who's coming to make investments. And they're like really proud of like, you know, uh, uh, capturing their child's attention like that. And so there's this weird kind of interplay between uh, father and son and, and like uh, this like generational, you know, bridge here that Bitcoin's making that I've noticed in, in you know, uh, way more than people I think talk about or realize like this, uh, how much of a bonding activity Bitcoin is for, for families. I really, I just think of my dad. Um personally talk about Bitcoin every day almost and he was he was the one that really encouraged me to, to dive deep into it like I remember in 2012 he picked me up from the airport from Chicago and we were riding back to our house in the Philly area I just remember being a little asshole having my my feet up on the dashboard being like dad this Bitcoin thing man it's it's gonna change the world he was like 
very supportive early on. And now it's gotten to the point where he's putting some of his, he runs a coffee shop and is a GM at a few restaurants. He's starting to put some of their, their excess cash into Bitcoin at the business, the small business level. And like he's bought in and like asking me how to do that. That is a great thing to bond over. Yeah. And, and there's, you know, Bitcoin touches so many things. So it's like, it's not just like this, you know, it's not like talking about a stock all day, every day. It's you're talking philosophy, you're talking technology, you're talking, you know, ideology. And it's, it's such a, uh, it's a universe of thought, so to speak. Dude, another thing that's crazy that you just pick, picked up on a minute ago was like um, the age of some of these people that are getting into Bitcoin. You know, I had someone from my high school alma mater uh, send me a letter who uh i think i broke up again but i, I had a someone from my high school alma mater send a, a letter from a parent whose kid had was asking them to help them set up a coinbase account a seventh grader who uh, was really wanting to get into crypto they like terms of service on coinbase is like you have to be 18 years or older so they were trying to get their their mom to set up an account and the mom was like super concerned like had no idea anything about any of this stuff and had told her, her kid to like write a letter, put it in a letter and send it to me. And so the letter got forwarded to me. And this letter was like a full page, single spaced, like, okay, I need you to set up a Coinbase account. I need you to go through these steps, like paragraph one, paragraph two, like once I get the Bitcoin, this is what I'm going to do with it. You know, this is how I want to invest it in the different things. I want to do this. I want to do that. This is the tax implications of this. Like, and then like, I mean, just this whole super well thought out thing, it ends on this great line. That's like, um, if you skimmed this letter, uh, and did not read, you know, every step you need to return to the beginning of this letter because every step matters. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a seventh grader. I, I, so I get on the call with this, this kid, cause I'm like, I read this. And I'm like, wow, this is, I'm pretty impressed right now. Uh, you know, this kid, I mean, it, it's a kid. I think he's either just turned 13 or he's uh, maybe he's still 12 years old. And, you know, I invited him out to the Bitcoin conference and it's like, well, the last conference that he had been to was a Pokemon conference. Pops. And, you know, I'm like sitting there thinking like, wow, like, like, uh, there's a, I'm talking to a seventh grader right now who is like, you know, only other event he's been to is a Pokemon conference. And he's like, deep in the tax implications of every Bitcoin transaction and crypto to crypto transaction and what it takes to get an NFT and how to get around the term of service in a coin. And it's like, holy cow, man, there's a whole generation of kids right now who like Bitcoin is the shit and they are completely obsessed with it. And when those kids get 10 or, or 20 years older, they're going to be all in on Bitcoin. Like they're not going to want anything to do with the old system. It's just like how people our age, I never built a relationship with the U.S. postal system. Like people were still doing cursive when I was young, but like first grade, second grade, you had to learn cursive. But I still, to this day, feel uncomfortable writing a handwritten letter, like I like feeling, you know, going into a post office, etc. Um, I think that that's what's like happening right now. Like if you talk to to the like preteens they are super all in on Bitcoin and the uh, it's fun to them. It's exciting to them. And that's super bullish. Yeah. It's God bless the zoomers. Thank God. Right? <laughs> like the other thing is the hope, right? They're getting it. And that's like, who leads the way? There's so much focus on, it's not bad that 
the focus tends to be on on this class of people, but institutional investors, old heads, pouring their their wealth into Bitcoin, which is important. We, that liquidity and that that volume of flows is significant, but um, in terms of uh, largest impact on on the Bitcoin economy and just the economy in general and how Bitcoin plays into that over the next hundred years, it's definitely going to be the younger generations that probably have a larger impact. Everyone's obsessed and looking back. No one wants to look forward. You know, all those people that are the institutions, guess what? Most of those people on average are, are less than 20 years away from dying. Okay. When those people die, their money's going to go to someone who's a generation younger than them. Like eventually the money's going to end up with the young people. And so if if it's spreading like a mind virus amongst the young people, like that's the best future indicator you're going to be able to have of, of how much adoption and demand. And like people think it's hot now. Wait until this seventh grader goes through his first bubble and turns a thousand bucks into 10,000 bucks. And he's in, you know, ninth grade. And he's going to be the coolest cat at his school, rolling around like a baller rich off of his, his Bitcoin uh, holdings, like every other kid at that school is going to be like, how do I do what that kid did? Like it's, yeah, dude, it's, it's our monetary system has made it where one of the most neglected classes of people are people under the age 18. This like, it really catches hold in that, in that group. Uh, It's over. It's over. Right. Especially if like they start coding early and they can start working remotely and building building stuff and getting paid straight in Bitcoin instead of having to go set up a bank account. And you have like this race to become a sat millionaire, like uh, between, between the, the use of the world, like, and it becomes like a, a clout game. Not that you want to incite clout games um, amongst the youth, but um, you just have like a competition to stack as much as possible before you get to college. And maybe you stack so much. You're like, why am I even going to go to college? Why don't I just start working for more sats? <laughs> I, Truly, it makes people have a true lens to evaluate time-based opportunity. I mean, it really gets people to prioritize, like, what's the things that are important to learn? What's a good use of my time? Like, if people had that lens to make decisions from, it would solve a lot of problems that we have in society right now. Like, there wouldn't be a a college debt uh, crisis if people didn't go to college because they had the wherewithal to have confidence in determining where their highest value time was spent and following through on that. So, I mean, yeah, again, we're coming back to I'm bullish as shit on the future of humanity. Humanity has its brightest, best days ahead of it. Yeah, there's so much to build, too. It's, it's, it's very invigorating. <sighs> I'm excited. It's always great talking with you. What, what can we expect this year at Bitcoin 2021 in Miami? Like how You talked about Whale Day already. Like yeah. what, well, What's going to happen on the 4th and the 5th? I will, um, I will break some news here too. Uh, uh, I was signing this right when we got on the call, but I'm going to, I'm going to give a quick pause. So in case we need to edit this out later, we have a good spot. So here I'll clap too. Perfect. Okay. So, uh, we have signed a venue contract after a long negotiation, um, to have the conference in Wynwood, Miami, which is the cultural, uh, epicenter of Miami, maybe of the United States. It's graffiti capital of the United States. It's super cool. Um, we are signed at Mana Winwood, uh, which is owned by an Israeli billionaire, Mana, uh, Moshi Mana, um, who has been very helpful in, in um, making things happen for us in Miami. And uh, I, hopefully we're going to convert into a big, 
big Bitcoin bull before this is all said and done as well. But um, uh, so we're ha having it at the uh, Mono, Mono Winwood Convention Center. It's a huge space. Um, we're going to be able to fit at least 10,000 people in the, in the space that we have, um, you know, maybe more we'll see, but like, then we're going to start having scaling challenges of how many people we can deal with, with our team size that we have here. Um, and, uh, we have some cool after party announcements also from that area to make, but not, not quite yet. Um, the conference is going to be insane. So it's the third, it's the fourth and it's the fifth, um, Third is whale day and whale night. So that's really for institutional investors and people who have uh, a stack of Bitcoin that they're looking to invest into companies or projects or, or products. Um, so that's happening on the third. On the fourth uh, and fifth is the main general conference. We're going to have multiple stages. We're going to have, uh, I mean, honestly, this event is by the day blowing up with more stuff. So, um, you know, we're, we have, you know, like we've had Tony Hawk sign for a long time to come do skateboarding. That's going to be a super cool element of this, but like we just signed with a famous comedian who's going to be coming in to, to open up the event for us. We have famous musicians that want to get involved. We have athletes that want to get involved. Um, we have, you know, uh, someone who's trying to organize a, a, uh, satellite event for sex workers and porn stars um, uh, and Bitcoin. Uh, it's like, this is like truly a, I feel like a cultural movement that we are just like lucky to be in the right place, right time to help, uh, to help guide. And, um, you know, we are going to have people from all walks of the Bitcoin community. So everything from like hardcore anarchist on one side to like stodgy old white men, billionaire, hedge fund guys on the other side. And they're all going to be in the same space, uh, drinking the same Kool-Aid. Um, you know, we, everything's going to be wired up to accept Bitcoin. We're going to have an art gallery, which to be honest, like if I could redo this, uh, I would probably do an NFT conference now and, you know, have sponsorships from the artists. Cause they're like the real ballers now rolling around with all the, you know, their, uh, their gains. Um, but the, we're going to have, sick artists from around the world coming in who are making stuff for the event. We're going to have tons of graffiti being done. Um, dude, it's, it's a huge production. So I'm, I'm super excited. Uh, your, your boy, Matt Odell has been super helpful. Uh, he's, he's taking the ownership over some open source projects that we're going to be giving space to, to workshops and get people involved. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, a huge event. And then uh, on Saturday night, so on Friday, Friday night, there'll be satellite events. We'll be having like a satellite event page where people can track what all is going on and what they want to be a part of. Um, on Saturday night is the after party. And we have a super dope venue, really cool entertainment, really cool setup um, for, for the after party. I think people are going to have a, an awesome time uh, there as well. So it's going to be an action-packed three days, um, you know, Friday night you're probably not going to sleep so just be prepared to go you know from from friday morning all the way to to you know 6 a.m on sunday oh yeah i i'm mentally preparing i was looking at the mono winwood convention center as you're speaking there it looks beautiful it's yeah no it's a big space and dude it's like uh you know the logistical issues, the challenges of holding a conference are, are pretty wild. And like, you know, right now we're trying to figure out how to 
like how big we can make certain, we're getting these domes, these big dome tents. Um, and, you know, we're trying to figure out, can we connect the domes with the tunnel between the domes um, so that we can make a cool like sci-fi experience for people. Like it's like the weird little quirky challenges like that to like make a cool environment. Um, but then it's also like, hey, okay, how many, how many square feet do we need to do this? And how many square feet do we need to do this? And we're, if we put it here, how far away is it from the sound that's coming from this? So it's just like, we're, we're in the thick right now of like uh, floor plan realignments and changes and trying to get all the details nailed down as quickly as possible. Cause there's so many people that we're, we're having to juggle from the sponsorship side, from the speaker side. I mean, it's, this is a production a way above and beyond what we did in, at Bitcoin 2019. So it's like, this is um, a lot of intense energy flowing around the office right now to get stuff done. Well, there's a lot of intense energy from the Bitcoin community too leading up to this. People are just chomping at the bit to, to meet up in person and, and talk Bitcoin and I think considering what's happened over the last year and a half year specifically it's i think i, I think the energy is going to be palpable up and down the east coast and into into the southwest section of the united states Dude, we we've sold uh, over three thousand tickets so far to the conference um and you know like typically the rule of thumb is is that 75 percent of all tickets get sold in the last 30 days um and so you know, they're selling at a really fast clip right now. So, I mean, that, like, if you do the math out on historical models, we're traje- like our trajectory right now is for a 20, 25,000 plus person event. We can't even fit that many people in the, in the space. And we have a huge amount of space. And um, uh, so we're going to have to cap it at some point in time. But I mean, this, this is like uh, really gaining momentum. Like I've never been, I've never been involved in a project that's gaining momentum like this. That's just snowballing every day, every day, something we're getting some inbound from some crazy thing. Hey, this presidential candidate wants to come and speak. Hey, you know, this, you know, it's like, it's wild. Yeah. What, uh, well, to, to make sure CK is, is happy with us. We have to shield the, the promo code Satoshi. Oh yeah. So for anyone listening to this, if you type in the promo code on the Eventbrite page or open node page, Satoshi, you get 10% off. Um, also some insider information. If you pay in Bitcoin via open node, not only do you get the 10% off code, but we took another $50 off uh, if you pay in Bitcoin. So you can save 50 bucks plus 10%. If you go through, if you purchase your ticket in Bitcoin and use code Satoshi. Thank you for that. That shill right there. That was, that's perfect. The, the sats discounts doubling your satoshis you're going to save satoshis that's right ways. that's right and 50. you know the the i mean the i'm interested to see what some of the people also like some of these satellite events what people make happen because i i'm getting the vibe i don't know if you remember consensus uh mm-hmm. like 2018 we, we were together 2019 but there's a lot of flexing that goes on at consensus where like people you know they want to get yachts or they want to like get some famous artists to come in so that they can be like, yo, we had Snoop Dogg at our party. I'm already seeing the flexing happening uh, with this conference and we're good. We're 80 days out. You know, I like, we're having to find like slip space for people to bring up their yachts and how many, how many feet can we get on a slip space, you know, and, Oh, you know, how many, how many 300 foot yachts can fit in one area? Uh, You know, like, um, 
have never had to deal with before. And then, you know, I have to really give kudos to um, uh, Sam uh, from FTX. I mean, talk about a flex to sponsor, you know, to take the naming rights uh, from American Airlines for the arena in Miami, just so that you can throw a really great party for the conference. Like that's a flex. So shout out to <laughs> FTX. Really appreciate you guys going big, um, making that happen in, ahead of the conference. Did they land those naming rights? I saw it was going on. I know he was bidding for it. Did it, did it happen? I, it's a negotiation. You know, I think, you know, it's, it's all about the timing and whether they can get everything deployed before the conference. Hell yeah. What, um, while we're flexing here, I need you to news people. So I just, you know, uh, I need you to flex a price prediction for, for the conference. Where are we going to be? So, uh, you know, uh, Matt O'Dell would say that I need to be uh, also shilling our, our uh, the $200,000 uh, Bitcoin price party that's going to happen as well. So 200K, of course. Okay. Why I so think, bearish? I think 100K, I'll be happy. We're at 100K. That's pretty, pretty good. Yeah. I think, uh, I think it's going to happen much quicker than people realize. I think, uh, yeah, all the conversations going around right now from a macro level, like we're working hard to get the, the oil and gas industry ingrained in the Bitcoin mining space. Like there's a lot of moving parts that are starting to come together that is going to lead to an inevitable hyper Bitcoinization, I believe. And the haters will say, oh, you guys are crazy. You're religious zealots, but it's happening, folks. Oh, yeah, we are. <laughs> religious zealots get all the girls, you know? <laughs> right? You know what? If it's a religion that gets you rich. It lowers people's time preferences and has people having more babies. You know what? I'm all I'm on board for that. There's no <laughs> violence in this. It, it, the religion that'll help end wars. Yeah, yeah. I'll get a little religious about that. Yeah, yeah that's right. So, uh, Marty, what what do you want to see happen at the conference? Like, if you if you had a wish list of things that you feel like should be at the Bitcoin conference for the world, what comes to mind? I just quality Bitcoiners enjoying each other's time, right? That's what I'm looking forward to mostly, right? And seeing people I've only been able to talk to via these, these Zoom calls and um, direct message um, in person. Yeah, no, I just, I, I, that's the best part about Bitcoin conferences, meeting up, meeting people you've only ever met online and having like in-depth conversations, strong conversations. And uh, of course, just selfishly, not going to say the exact day, but my birthday falls uh, during during the um, during the conference, and I'm very much looking forward to the after parties. To a certain extent, going to leave my son with his grandparents, bring my wife down, and we're we're going to have a good time. Um, so I'm yeah, I'm just looking forward to, to seeing everybody. I mean, having been at Bitcoin 2019 and seeing what you guys did there, um, and, and seeing how big you're sending it now, I'm very excited to meet Tony Hawk. I'm going to make an effort to meet Tony in person. Uh, somebody who grew up skateboarding and my dad was a big fan of the Bones Brigade back in the day. Um, I think I, that's something I'm very much looking forward to as well. So subtle, that's a subtle hint, everyone listening to this, to bring uh, birthday gifts uh, to the conference. Uh, we will get a birthday cake and, and we'll get Tony to sing you, uh, sing you happy birthday. Yeah, maybe I'll... Um, maybe, hey, who knows? Maybe I'll, uh, I'll be... My wife will be telling me I'm having another kid too. That would be cool as well. <laughs> It's possible. Maybe that'll be just be like a Bitcoin conference uh, tradition for me. And just like every every time I, I go, my wife's just like, "Hey, we're having another kid." It's like, all right. Well, uh, so I have a question for you. So I kind of want to get some of these uh, spot the dogs from Boston Scientific to be. From oh. event. 
I, you know, I've gotten feedback that that may be less Bitcoiner and more, uh, you know, like a, a surveillance state esque. Uh, do you have an opinion on uh, the spot the dog have a have a um, a spot at the uh, Bitcoin conference? I mean, if you can identify people trying to be hostile towards Bitcoiners and take them down, then yes, in my mind. Uh, but Spot the Dog does creep me out a little bit in general when I see the videos. I've never met him in person. Maybe my my uh, my uh, sort of inclination towards him would change. But uh, I was thinking it, was dope. it would be dope if we like strapped a Bitcoin ATM to the back of Spot the Dog and then just wandered around the conference, you know, and people could check out with Bitcoin. Uh, off of his back thought that'd be cool yeah i mean i would certainly stack some sats using spot if he's got a if he's got a, a roaming atm v yeah would be bitcoin cool. on the bot. no with those things that's weird like they look very like like just the aesthetic of them they need to make more jovial or no the correct word it's just very like minority report-esque to a certain extent they need to make them like a little chubbier and like a little bit more, you know. Uh, yeah, less make, rigid. But yeah, less robotic. Yeah. We'll get there. We'll get there. So uh, uh, Bitcoiners, you know, probably not spot the dog. Any other any other thoughts on what, what's needed at the hyper-Bitcoinization event of the year? I just think good vibes. Um, it's going to be hot. Make sure you get maybe some sunscreen. As a, as a pale Irish gentleman myself, um, I know there's a lot of sunscreen deniers out there. Um, my first burn of the summer is always pretty bad, so I do need to protect myself at least the first couple times I get into the sun. Um, you know, there's a lot of deniers. Oh, uh, yeah, there's, uh, there's big, yeah, there's a big uh, anti-sunscreen movement out there. Um, shade, shade. I just need some shade for this pale Irish skin. That's all I asked for. <laughs> oh, man. Um... Well, that's a good idea. We'll have some sunscreen there. I'm trying to get a swimming pool uh, brought in uh, so that we can kind of help with some of the if people are hot, like have some some branded uh, bathing suits and some that people can change into and uh, a swimming pool. But evidently, it's not as easy as just getting a semi truck to pull in with a with a you know redneck swimming pool on the back of it. So so many so many details. There's so many details on all this stuff. You can uh, you can take some inspiration from the dirtbags in Philadelphia, the city I was born and raised in. They've been uh, lining dumpsters uh, or shipping containers with with like trash bags and just filling that up with water. It seems to work. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, well, this has been a pleasure. It's always fun. I can't wait to see each other in person. I know you're going to be busy, uh, obviously during the conference, but hopefully. I'll be able to to shake your hand and, and give you a hug for for throwing together such an incredible event and getting thousands of Bitcoiners together um, at a very pivotal time in Bitcoin as it, it seems to be taking over the world. Yeah, likewise, and and um, you know I want to give a shout out to the entire Bitcoin community for supporting us and and Marty for for your support. You know, 2020 was a very hard year for us. Postponing the conference was r- really shitty then having to postpone it again, then having to move it from LA to Miami. This has been like the, like, you know, what's the guy who has to push the rock up the hill. And it, uh, yeah, uh, I forget. I don't know. It's, you know, it's been a very tough 2020 and um, uh, Sisyphus. 
Sisyphus. Uh, and, you know, without the Bitcoin community support, without everyone, uh, you know, backing our, our changes and plans each time we've had to make them, like this event would not be possible. Our company really would have been screwed. Um, and instead, because of everyone's support, we're going to have the biggest Bitcoin event in history. It's going to be awesome. And like, you know, this conference is bigger than just uh, a conference. It's, it's really a showcase of the Bitcoin culture for the world. Um, you know, we had somebody send us a message yesterday about um, they came to Bitcoin 2019. It, it inspired them to build the Bitcoin community for Brazil. And they had like their first kind of like Bitcoin meetup event that was of a good size. And they're trying to build up to their own Bitcoin conference for Brazil. It's like, that's, that's the whole point of this thing is it's to inspire a new generation of people to go and build incredible things for Bitcoin and to understand the meaning and point of Bitcoin. And the world has never needed Bitcoin more than it needs it right now. And so this event is a, is a beachhead for us to push those ideas into the mainstream. And, um, you know, like, and, and I'll even say for events in general in the country, we're the first major event in the state of Florida. We're the biggest event planned in the state of Florida, um, maybe in the country until it happens. Like the Bitcoin community is treading a path for the reopening of society for the United States here. So, you know, I, I cannot be more appreciative to the Bitcoin community for making it happen without y'all. It's impossible. And, um, dude, the, the best is yet to come. So thank you. Thank you. No, hell yeah. I love, I love ending it on that note. And, um, just like outside, I just got to laud you guys again. The, the content at Bitcoin magazine has been incredible. Um, I love the, the history that you guys are diving into at Pete Rizzo, obviously Aaron crushing it with the technical stuff. Um, Joe Rogers, UK, curating some incredible content as well. So keep up the good work on the magazine side as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, the, we're, we're entering in a golden age for Bitcoin magazine. I mean, we're, uh, uh, there's so much work happening beneath the surface that hasn't even had the chance yet to be seen by kind of our, our readers. But um, like this year, we're going to, Bitcoin magazine will be in the best place it's ever been. Uh, and like, we are going to take the Bitcoin counterculture global. So, um, like, thank you for the, the kind words. They're, they're, they're felt CK's working really hard, but we got a lot of great stuff coming. Oh yeah. Well, I look forward to it. And again, I look forward to seeing you in person in a few months. Um, this has been a pleasure. Hopefully we get to, uh, we get to keep the announcement in there, but let me know if, uh, if I have to take it out. I tend to forget, so be very loud when you remind me. <laughs> I think I think we're going to be good. All right. Awesome. All right. Cool. Thank you, Marty. Thank you, Dave. Have a good day. Ciao.